Are you guys ready for the word? Boy, I'm going to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray. Father God, we're about to dive right into the word. I stand here in your place as a representative of you to deliver the word of God to your church and your people. Father God, right now there's people in this room that need to hear what it is you're saying to us. There's hope. Tomorrow's a better day. Everything that happens to us, you've got your hand in it. And you haven't left us. You haven't forsaken us. You're still working in us. And whatever it appears like, you're right there. I want to thank you for grace and truth today. Thank you for the anointing on your word that we'll walk out and say, I heard that. I got that. That lifted me. I'm glad I came to church. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said? There's only one way to know God, and that's the Bible. You say, well, I saw him in the sunset. Well, the devil didn't see him in the sunset, and the heathen didn't see him in the sunset. You're going to see him in the Word. Get your Bible and go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. I'm going to ask you a question. What is God doing? Now, many of you that are sitting here right now looking at me, all of us have this kind of a thought that hits our head. I'm coming to church. I come every Sunday. Sometimes I come Wednesday. Monday through Friday, I go to work. One day a week, I play. Sometimes I play two days a week. Spring's coming. Summer's coming. Fall's coming. Christmas is coming. And we're going to do it all again. It's almost like you don't really realize why you're here. You're here for a reason. But every day of your life, God is doing something in you. Amen. Now, that's a, that is a powerful statement. You may think you got up and cooked breakfast and went to work. But the Holy Ghost in you has got something he's doing in you that day that's very important. And when you know this, life becomes a whole lot more enjoyable. You're like, what are we doing today, God? So I'm going to start off by proving what I just said and showing you what he's doing inside of you. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to start with the New King James and we're going to jump to the Amplified Bible. Now the reason that God had someone write the Amplified Bible is it has more words in it. So it's called a woman's Bible because women have more words than men. And when a woman stays home alone all day and her husband gets home at night, she still has all her words. And so he suffers greatly. But if she's out in the marketplace giving out half her words, when she comes home that night, there's not so much a burden on the poor man. But anyway, we're going to read from the, from the man's Bible. We're going to read from the woman's Bible here. We want everyone to feel comfortable in here. Ladies, does that help you all out a little bit? No. I didn't think so. All the men said, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till or until we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Underline that in your Bible and don't let that throw you. It's actually the Greek word mature. A mature man to the measure 
of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Every day of your life, even though you are a born-again Christian, and we've been doing a good job on this on Wednesday night, so you ought to get the CDs. Even though you got born again, and instantly, when, when Terry received Jesus, he came in Terry, and instantly his spirit man was made perfect. But the other two-thirds, well, not so. so Catherine said, still working, God's still working on Terry. But now he took care of the part of Terry that Terry couldn't fix. But now the Bible says that that he who began a good work in you, we'll read that scripture in a minute, shall complete it. But also it says, work out your salvation. What's that mean? Well, it's inside him, and God is now working it out. So the whole point of your life on this earth, you may think you're just running around, you know, uh, working a job, making money, and trying to pay bills, but God has a plan. And every day that you're awake, he is working Jesus into your life to make you more like him. As a matter of fact, most of you are better today than you were a year ago. You have come a long ways. I'm going to read this out of the woman's Bible. Does that offend y'all? I hope not. Let's start with verse 11. It says, his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of the flocks and teachers. Verse 12, his intention... His intention, look at that. His intention is to perfect you. God has an intention every day to see Jesus, more of Jesus in you than he did yesterday. So when you understand that some things you're going through in life today, you think God left you. Oh, no, he didn't. He may have left you and let you sit in the circumstance, but he didn't leave you. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell a story I didn't get to tell in the, first, in the first service. When an Indian boy, and, and there's a tribe out west, and they, it's a ritual that they do among the tribe, that when a boy comes to manhood, that the father takes the son out into the wilderness at night, during the afternoon, and he sets him on a rock, and he blindfolds him. And he said, son, in order to be a man, you're going to have to sit here all night. Do not touch the blindfold. Don't do anything, no matter what you hear, no matter what you think is going on. I want you to sit here, and I want you to trust me. And so the dad blindfolds the son and turns around and walks away. And the sun is sitting there and the sun is going down and he starts hearing noises. And he hears a wow. He goes, oh, panther. And he hears snakes. But he knows what his father said. But what he doesn't know is that the father walked away about four feet and sat down with his son. See, the dad didn't go anywhere. But he's trying to get the boy to understand, I want you to learn to trust me when you can't see. So often, 
You and I go through things in life, and you think, God just walked off and left me. No, he's right there, sitting on the rock, watching everything and watching over you diligently. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. All right, now let's read the rest of this. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up the body of Christ, that he might develop. Say develop. develop. He is developing you into the image of Jesus Christ. Man. Now, when you know that, life becomes easier if you learn to cooperate. That's the key. Cooperation with God is key to a good life. But you're going to find out that not everybody cooperates with this process. Um, Philippians 1.6, pop it on the screen and let's read it off the screen. Being confident of this very thing, he who began a good work in me will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Say that. Say, he who began a good work in me will complete it. Now, the work he started, he's going to finish it. So the good news is one day, Terry is going to look, walk, and talk exactly like Jesus Christ. That's powerful. One day, Jackie will. One day, Donna will. Just think about that for a minute because he said, I started a work and I'm going to finish this work. But now somewhere in between then and, and someday is now. And all of us are at different places along this line. So I said this and I want you to pay attention. Every day God is doing this. So a lot of times when stuff starts happening, you, you think, well, I bind you, devil. I bind you, devil. Satan, I bind. No, it's not the devil. God will lead you into places you don't necessarily like. Well, I didn't think that would go. Go to Hebrews chapter 5 with me now. Now, you know, denominational Christianity has said, you know, whatever the Lord wills. And, and they really got it all messed up and they started blaming everything on God. But they had part of it right. There are, God does not cause trouble. There's enough of it around. But that doesn't mean that God will pack you up and move you out every time you go through a hard time. I'll come over here and talk. I, didn't, I just barely got any vibes out of that. I just answered a thousand questions. That does not mean that every time you're going through a bad day, God is going to pluck you up and set you free from all the trouble that's around you. He's not going to do it. He's going to leave you in the middle of it and go, well, you know, the greater one lives inside of you. So why don't we just leave you in that situation and let's see if I can see a little bit more of Jesus coming out of you, even though you in a situation you don't like. Now, how many of y'all have ever had jobs that God led you to? And after you got the job, you prayed that God would get you another job. 
Am I the only one in here that ever got, God got me a job and when I got it, I went, I was looking, when I wasn't working, I was looking for another job. I told y'all about the time that I worked for him. I graduated from Bible school and I'm a preacher called to preach. And the Lord put me on a construction site. I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. But the devil didn't bind. So all of a sudden, they put me on an all-black crew. Everybody's black. I'm the only white boy there. And them black boys said, look what we got here. Every, every problem we've ever had, he is going to pay for it. I said, God, I bind this job in Jesus' name. I take authority over this job in Jesus' name. I had that job for three years. They threw mud on me. And man. But you know, God thought, he said, you know, I think we need to work on his love walk. I think we need to put him around folks that he don't know nothing about them. Because come one day, he's liable to be pastoring and they're liable to be some folks in his church that ain't white. What you think about that? Well, see, so God has prepared me for the future, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I prayed every day, God, give me another job, give me another job, give me another job, give me another job. And I can tell you their names now, Omar Walker, Bird, Twig. We all became friends. Some of them got saved and got right with God. But I'll tell you, it was tough. You see, our flesh, our flesh, it don't like going places and doing things that causes it to suffer, especially charismatics. The Baptists, they got that part down. They know that was God, but we didn't. See, the Baptists had something that they did wrong. They said, God, if it be thy will, own everything. And we told them, said, that ain't right. But now the charismatics, we come along and bind everything. We bind you, Satan. We bind you, God. We bind everything. We take authority over everything. And we don't know how to pray if it be thy will at all. I think there's a middle of the road here. Don't y'all think? I think think there's a little bit of meeting of the middle here. There are times when you need to pray, if it be thy will. God, I don't like it, but if this is what you want, I'm going to sit right here until I learn the lessons I'm supposed to learn while I'm here. And I'm going to cooperate so I don't have to be here so long. (coughs) Say, God's working in me. I'm going to tell you something. You don't always like it either. What did I tell you to turn to? Hebrews chapter 5. Look at this scripture. This is a powerful scripture. So Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the the order of Melchizedek. Look at verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears, To him who was able to save him from death, he was heard because of his godly fear. You mean Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went through trouble? Absolutely 
and God led him to do it. Though he was a son, y'all can't handle this. Y'all can't handle this. Though he was a son, he learned obedience. Now let me ask you a question. Do you remember in John when, when Mary looked at him and said, they have no wine? How much wine do you think Jesus had ever made before that day? None. He didn't know any more about turning water into wine than you do. And the, and the Holy Ghost led him and said, tell him to get some water. And he went, okay, go get some water. And tell him to taste it. Okay, taste it. And he's like, whoa, it worked. God the Father took Jesus through a process of preparing him for the cross. That's a thought. He wasn't ready when he started. You're not ready either. I mean, y'all are looking at me like, I've never had that thought in my whole life. We're going to have some new thoughts. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 before we go look at Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2. <coughs> 2 18. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's going to help you today. <laughs> Servants, be submissive to your masters. Oh, we don't like to talk about that. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Servants, be submissive to your, your employer. Not only to the good and gentle, but the harsh. I'm going to quit this job, take this job, and shove it. I was looking for one when I found this one. This is commendable if because of conscience toward God you endure grief. Suffering wrongfully. Now, see, we don't like that scripture. See, that's, you don't have that promise box scripture anywhere on your wall. I'll bet you that ain't on your refrigerator. I bet you you ain't never even made a confession out of that scripture. As a matter of fact, we avoid suffering. I mean, when they're suffering, we go the other direction. But I'm going to tell you something about God. He will lead you right into the middle of it. Oh, y'all didn't. I think he's preaching heresy now. I bind that in the name of Jesus. Now, little flesh, I'll take care of you when you get out of here. Don't you worry about that sermon. This is commendable because of conscience. You endure grief and you suffer wrongfully. Anybody suffered since you've been saved? Anybody ever sang somebody done the me wrong song since you got born again? Any of y'all going through anything right now where it ain't, where you are looking for a way out? I need a new husband. I need a new husband. I need another husband. 
You know, a week after I married Lisa, I said, I miss God, I miss God, I miss God, I miss God. Oh, Lord, have mercy, help me, Jesus, I miss God. And God said, yeah, but you done put your, you done said the word I do and you are stuck. I said, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Yeah, he's been helping me. She's doing better now. You know, the problem was she was over in the other room going, I miss God, I miss God, I miss God. That's why God wants you to take the vow before you jump into bed. Don't be trying, don't be trying everything out. Don't be driving that Mustang around till you have made, till you bought that thing. You ain't taking this one back. I done hit a nerve over here on the left side. Verse 20, what credit is it when you're beaten for your faults and you take it patiently, but when you do good and you suffer and you take it patiently, that's commendable before God. To this, you were called. I have a call of God on my life. Yeah, you do, baby. Yeah, you do. And what he did in, in the way he led Jesus, he's going to lead you the same way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, come rapture, come right now. Come, Lord Jesus. To this you were called, Christ suffered for us, and he left us an example, and you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was deceit in his mouth. When he was reviled, he kept his mouth shut. I didn't think you'd like that either, Tiffany. All right. I knew she was going to say something. She was going, "Uh uh-uh. Don't worry, Tiffany. You ain't the only one in here. There's some folks over here that just exactly like that. You, ain't gonna, you say something to me, I'm going to say something back to you by God. We am not going to sit here and take that off of you. You know, that's the scripture the Lord gave me when he wanted me to start learning to keep my mouth shut. Because every time you said something to me, I had a comeback. Until one day, the Lord said, I have a scripture for you. I didn't like it then and I don't like it now. But I'm quieter than I used to be. I don't always like it, but I am quieter than I used to be. When someone's not asking you a question, shut up. They didn't ask you. So they don't know opinions necessary. Don't you love it when people tell you your opinion? All right, I'm not talking about marriage yet. So God took Jesus. I want you to do this. Go with me to Matthew 9. I want to show you a progression. And I've been wanting to do this for years. I've known this for a long time, but, and I've always wanted to preach on this. But I begin to watch how God trained Jesus. And I'm gonna, when I say that, I'm going to say something to you. And, and it's, it's going to help you immensely. I got something I want to say. I want to, I'm going to go through a, a bunch of scriptures here, but I'm going to give you a truth that will literally set you free. Okay. Matthew 9, 18. While he spoke these things, behold, a ruler came and worshiped and said, my daughter has just died. When did she die? Right now. But come and lay your hands on her and she'll live. And then a woman came and told him all. That meant that he was there a long time. 
a long, long time. And in verse 23, and Jesus came to the ruler's house, the flute player's noisy. And he says, make room, the girl's not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. When the crowd was put out, he went out and took her by the hand. The girl rose, and the report of this went off. How long was she dead? Not very long. I mean, as a matter of fact, maybe by the time he got to her a couple hours later. All right, now go to now Luke 7. Where I'm going with you is this. I'm going to show you that the next time... God asked Jesus to raise someone from the dead. They'd been dead longer. And well, this is very important. 7-11. Now it happened that the day after that he went to a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when they came near the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother, she was a widow. And a large crowd from that city was with her. And the Lord saw her, and he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. He came and touched the coffin, and those who carried him stood still, and he said to the young man, Arise. And he who was dead sat up. Now, I don't know how long, maybe you know, from the time a person dies in Jewish culture till they bury him. But it wasn't instantly. So maybe a day or two, I don't know. Maybe they wrap them and embalm them and all that. Don't really know. But I know that the time limit here was a little longer. All right, now go to John chapter 11. You kind of probably figured out now where I'm going. 11, 6, John eleven six. So when he heard that, Lazarus, and I added the word Lazarus, was sick. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Why? Because the Holy Ghost wouldn't let him go. That's quite a thought. See, there's a lot of times we're jumping and running off and the Holy Ghost didn't tell you what to do and not to do. You're praying and nothing's happening. That's another sermon. We'll talk about being led by the Spirit one day. Then after he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples says, Rabbi, the last time we went there, they tried to kill you. And he says, well, aren't there 12 hours in a day, if, you know, et cetera. Verse 11, these things he said after that, he said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. His disciples says, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. You notice he didn't call him dead. There's a reason for that, and we don't have time for that either. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking a rest and sleep. And Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that he is not there. That you may believe and nevertheless, let's go to him. And Thomas, who is called the twin, his fellow disciples, says, let's go and we'll die with him. Isn't that noble? <laughs> they didn't get a clue, did they? And when Jesus came, he found that he'd already been in the tomb. How long? Now, this is, not, this, this is four days after. The, folks, he's stiff. Why is God, what's God doing? I'm fixing to say something to you, and I want you to get this. God is getting Jesus ready for, the, for his own death. That's a powerful statement. It's one thing to raise someone from the dead, been dead an hour, because you could say, ah, you know, he was asleep. 
It's another thing to raise him in two or three days. But after rigor mortis set in, everything that God asked Jesus to do was progressional. It became more difficult, and it became more difficult, and it became more difficult. Greater trust. Every time God sent Jesus to go do something, there was a greater level of trust demanded. Now, I'm going to tell you all a story here. And I want you all to listen to what I'm about to say because I'm fixing to answer a massive question. When I first got born again, and you heard me say this with my mouth, I used to get my healing quick. Almost bragging. Man, I tell you what, I get the flu, baby, I pray you, it's gone. Well, you remember me telling you about when my heart kicked out of rhythm? Well, I'm going to tell you what I did. I got on my Bible, opened up my word. By a stress, I'm healed. Name of Jesus. Ambulance came and got me. Nothing happened. I went, Lord, you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> and about in the middle of this, the Lord said this to me. He said, I've been carrying you. He said, a lot of things you thought you were doing, I was doing it. He said, I'm putting you down. You were preaching, walk by faith. Now, son, walk by faith. And I went, oh, no. No, I want to do the, I want to do the, by stripes I'm healed, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and go what my way. And it didn't work. Come on, I'm doing good, y'all. Listen. Now, I'm not saying God left me. He didn't leave me. But there came a, God began to lay a greater and a greater responsibility on me to get in my Bible and to make my Bible real to me. Amen. Now, you can preach it and, it, and you, know, you, can, you can preach surface. You can read a book and preach it. I don't mean you got it. But there came a time where he goes, I don't want this to be Kenneth's. I want this to be yours. I don't want you living out of Kenneth Hagin's revelation. I want you living out of your revelation. And I'm going to tell you something. He set me down. And and I'm going to tell you it was a fight. Fight, the good fight of faith. I mean, I fought devils. I fought discouragement. I fought God done left me, don't care no more. And slowly but surely, I came out of it. And I mean, I'd get a victory and I'd go, hallelujah. And I'm waiting any day now for an instant miracle. Come on, Benny in, baby. Where are you? Finally, the day that I went in the hospital in Texas and they checked my heart and he said, well, Mr. Morgan, your heart's perfect. And I went, oh, praise the Lord. Well, you know, you have no idea that was so exciting to me. But, but it was a long, long walk. I mean, man, I, I tore up three Bibles getting that healing. I mean, I got scriptures running out of my nose because of that healing. I mean, I got more consecrated to God than I've ever been in my life because of that. Now, I'm not saying God did it. God didn't do me any harm. He just said, I'm not carrying you. Now, you moms and dads, you listen to me. You know good and well you've been carrying your children. 
but there's a day when Herman's going to walk. Mama, mama, just sit down, you big thing. Man, you weigh 80 pounds. I ain't carrying you on my hip. Walk, boy. And then there comes a day. You love your children, but you want them to go out the door, and don't you ever come back in it again. I don't ever want to see you and your wife and your kids except Christmas and Easter. Get on out of here, man. I done, I done put up with you for you. Changed your diapers and fed you and made mama, mama, I'm hungry. I don't want to hear mama, mama, I'm hungry from you. Let me say something to y'all. In order for the last day revival to happen, God's got to do some growing up. His church has got to get off the bottle. And some of y'all are binding the devil and it's God. You're going through stuff and man, it's, I mean, it's like I used to call my mama and she prayed. And now I call my mama and nothing happens when my mama prays. Mommy, mama, pray for me. And I mean, mama's praying and God ain't listening to mama, ain't listening to nobody. Did I hit a nerve, darling? I mean, it's time for you. It's time for you to get to know the word. It's time for you to grow up and to be a son of God. It's time, it's time for Jesus to come out of the inside and to be manifested on the outside. It's time for you to lay your hands on the sick not to always get up in a line. It's time for you to be in Walmart going, I got the anointing in my hands. I'm going to lay my hands on you. By God, I mean, I got the same spirit Jesus raised from the dead on the inside of me, baby. I see, that's what God's doing in the church right now. You're looking at the world going, man, it's going to hell in a handbasket. No, it's not. God's God, a church, he said, I will build my church. That's you. And the gates of hell won't stand against it. And he is raising up a bunch of people who are getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. And every time you get sick, you call Benny Hinn's hotline. You need to leave Benny Hinn alone. Benny Hinn ought to be calling you. Come preach for me, baby. I need some anointing in this place. It's good preaching. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, I didn't know this 10 years ago. I didn't know this. I mean, everything seemed to be easy. And then one day, it just wasn't easy anymore. God began to demand a greater consecration out of me. He said, well, you know, you used to get away with that, but you, know, you ain't getting away with that no more. Uh-huh. I used to say things and do things, and the anointing, the anointing would stay, and then one day it was like, uh-uh, you're not doing that anymore. I'm like, are you leaving me? He said, no, I ain't leaving you. I'm still sitting here, but we're not doing that no more. I want to see more of Jesus in you. Now, some of y'all got in-laws and outlaws and relatives like Lisa and I do. Years ago, and I won't mention the name, was a man came to this church back in the shopping center. If he hadn't told me he was saved, I wouldn't believe it. He told me one day he was a Christian. I said, really? 
Man, that's hard to believe. I never met such a self-centered, arrogant, egotistical, smart aleck in my life. And he came to this church. One day I gave an altar call and I called him. I said, you should come up in the altar. He got up and went out the back door. He just got up and walked out. His wife used to come and ask for prayer every week. One day someone in the office said, the Lord said to tell me I love him. And I went, you do? Man, you got more faith than me. Man moved away. One day Lisa and I were driving along and I said, let's, let's stop and see so-and-so. Pulled into their house and talked to them. They're in church. That man has changed. I saw humility. I saw tenderness to God. I looked at Lisa and when I drove away and I said, there is a God. And I'm not him. Now I thought to myself, man, this, is, this guy's a mess. But it, but, but it wasn't such a mess that God couldn't do it. Now, I'm going to tell you this. This man kicked and bucked and fought with God. And God won. <laughs> and I mentioned something to him about a family member. And he said, you know, Pastor, I think you're right. And I think I'm wrong. And I went, you admitted you wrong? I never heard you admit you wrong in your whole life. I saw tenderness. I saw God in him. And God's not done with him. And that's when it began to dawn on me. I went, huh, he's doing that in all of us. Now, not that 20 years ago I was all that. When I took this job, I wasn't ready. I wasn't mature enough for it. But God called me a pastor and put me in it and said, well, it's time to grow up. Now, I didn't know I needed to grow up. The people in the church knew I needed to grow up. So they started a special prayer meeting just for me. It still goes on every Monday night. Help him, Jesus. Help him, Jesus. <laughs> and I thank God there's a special place in heaven for all those people. Now, you aren't supposed to say that, Jackie. The wrong place to say it. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 32. I want to show you this now. Jackie, I'm messing with you. I'm sorry. Now, see, I shouldn't have said that. That's the old man. I won't act like that next year, Jackie. Well, neither will you either, so we'll just. Now, I'm going to show you all something about Are you all enjoying this? Are you learning something? This is, this is powerful because what happens is we think he left us. We think he loves us less now. He loves you more now. He has more faith in you or he wouldn't be trusting you. I'm going to read a scripture to you and this is Psalm 32, 9. Do not be like a horse or a mule which have no understanding which must be harnessed with a bit and a bridle else they won't come near. This is, the, I'm going to tell you the process that God uses. Lisa and I, when we lived out on Effie Drive, she had a horse named Handsome. Asked me, did that create problems? She'd call her horse and I'd come running. 
It was really disturbing when I got there and found out she wasn't calling me. Now, the horse's name was For Love of Hansel. And the horse knew its name, so Lisa had to pick something close, and she called him Hansel. Other than that, he wasn't all that handsome. When she bought that horse, he's two years old. He's an Arab, Polish Arab, a good horse. But he wasn't trained. So Lisa took him down to a trainer to teach Hansel to mind. Now, you know, when you've been in a pasture for two years, you're not ready for someone to climb on your back. You've seen cowboy movies. Well, this wasn't exactly that bad. So I watched this guy take Hansom, and he, and he put a halter on him. And then he put a bridle on him. Then he threw a saddle on his back. And he ran a rope from the halter down to the girth. And took the horse's head and pulled it down. So he couldn't get his head. Because if he gets his head... There's 1,500 pounds of muscle he's going to use against you. And he don't want to be on his back with his horse throwing his head around. So he tied his head down. Then he put a bit in his mouth. And then he climbed on with a whip and spurs. And he gets on the back of this horse, and this ain't never happened this horse before. And he's like, handsome, walk. And handsome don't know what walk means until all of a sudden... These sharp little ding, ding, ding go, ding. And he goes, oh, yeah, baby, I got that. <laughs> and he starts walking. And then all of a sudden, Handsome decided he didn't want to walk, but he wants to trot. So he picks it up, and all of a sudden, the bit hit him. All of a sudden, he bit hits him in the mouth, and he throws his head, and he can't. And this pain hits him in the head, and he goes, whoa, baby. And he slows back down to a walk, and the pain in the mouth quits. And he's walk, handsome. Walk. Walk. After a while, the horse learns that if he listens to the command, there's no pain in the head, and there's no pain in the butt. I said, but that's Greek for derriere. <laughs> the next time they go out, they're walking around the ring. He learns words like whoa. And when he says whoa, handsome goes, I don't know what whoa means. And all of a sudden, I think that's what whoa means. And when he stops, his head comes back, gets off the bit. And this man is starting to teach. The horse voice commands. He goes through this with trot, canter, and gallop. He takes Hanson through all of these to the point that he's teaching him to listen to me when I'm talking. Now, here's why. When a man in the Old Testament is training a horse, he's training him for war. Because there comes a day. When that man goes to war, he's going to drop the reins. He can't be riding. The horse must listen. Are y'all getting this? So he says, see that battle? We're headed into it. Listen to me. We will win this battle, but you Listen, so when that guy gets on and he has to pull a sword or a bow, he's got to drop his reins. There comes a day in your life that God does not want to be using a bit and a bridle on you. 
Every time he wants you to do something, he's got to get in your mouth and snatch your head around. Every time he wants you to go do something, he got to take spurs and kick you in the backside. There comes a day when the Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. He's got to know he's going to ride into battle, drop the reins, and that horse is going to do exactly what he's asking him to do. We say we're going right, we're going right. We're going left, we're going left. And that horse has to say, yes, sir. What is God doing in you? He's preparing you for the, <coughs> excuse me, for the days ahead. He's preparing you for what's coming on America. But he can't ride you like a mule. He's got to have you ready to hear what the Spirit's saying. When he says go, he wants you to go. When he says stop, he wants you to stop. When he says share the word, share the word. When he says shut up, be quiet. That is what he's doing in you. You thought you were getting up and going to work tomorrow. No, he's sending Billy Bob to your work tomorrow. And Billy Bob has an attitude. And Billy Bob is going to get in your face. And you're going to stand there and go, love is patient, love is kind. And, and the Holy Ghost is going to be on the inside saying, hold steady now, baby, hold steady. Walk in love, walk in love. Listen on the inside, and you're going to be going, ha, oh, get that bit out of my mouth. I'm going to take Billy Ball out. I'm taking Billy Ball out, and I'm going to take him out. And God's going, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to walk in love. And you're going to come home at the end of the day, and God's going to say, I want you to go home and rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And you're going to go, I was going to go home and cry. And he says, no, you're not. Now, you're not going to talk about how bad your day is anymore. You're going to get your tongue and you're going to bridle it. You're going to do something with that tongue in your mouth. Now, if Billy Bob didn't work, the next week God's got Susie Q. And you're sitting around here going, help me, Jesus, not to have to. No, listen, God don't have to send Susie Q if you'll get it straight. You know, we got a lot of, I bind you, devil. It ain't the devil. <laughs> oh, boy, that went over real big. Go to James chapter 3. How are we doing? Say, I think, turn to your neighbor and say, I, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> By the way, if I'm coughing, I am recovering. I am the healed. James 3, 3. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they'll obey us. Let me tell you something. God don't want to put a bit in your mouth. He will if he has to. I'm trying to help us. Let's look at one more scripture. And we, well, we got two more and we'll close. The last one's really good. I've got to leave you with a good one. Verse James 4, 6. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, Shantae, I'm going to do something right now. You know, there are times when you say, I'm going to do something, and God will put his hand on your head and go, no, you're not. 
and he'll stiff arm you. And you're trying to go forward and he's going, no, you're not. Anybody ever been there? You're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you come to church going, I need some prayer. Yeah, no, you need prayer. If you would humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, what is it you're wanting me to do right now? Life would get a whole lot easier. I got one more. Y'all ready? Okay, let's close with this. Isaiah 119. I'm going to leave you with this scripture so you can meditate on it the rest of this month. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you're what? Now, there's some people who are obedient, but I don't want to. Well, we, want, we might want to get, get, get you to be wanting to. I'm going to prayer, but I don't want to. Well, we need to get your want to fixed. I'm going to read my Bible, but I don't want to. You might want to get your want to fixed. Because if you're doing it and you don't want to, you ain't getting anything from God anyway. I know I'm tithing today, but I don't want to. Well, you might as well keep it. It ain't coming back. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. And then we have the other people who want to, but they don't do it. I want to, Lord, but you know, I'm going to McDonald's when I leave here today. I want to. You ever have God say something to you to stop doing? And you said, that makes no sense. And you ask him why, and he don't answer you. He never been obligated to tell you why. He just said, stop it. I had something not too long ago he told me to stop doing. And I didn't, I didn't stop. I thought, you know, that makes no sense. And I asked him about it. I said, why did you say that? He didn't say nothing. So the next week I said, what do you want me to do? And he brought it up again. I said, well, I don't want to do that. Boy, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling terrible like I'm the only bad person in this church. <laughs> Me and Jackie Anderson. Anybody else in here ever just, you just like you fight with him. Or he asks you to do something, you're going, I don't want to do that. You see, I never liked Florida. And there's, there's only... Two weeks of winter. See, I have flannel shirts. I want to use them sometimes. So Lisa and I, we wait for those two weeks and we open the front door and put a log in the fireplace and pretend like it's winter. But I'm going to be honest with you. When I, when I left Ramah, I had my evangelistic Bible and my evangelistic suit and my evangelistic airplane. Oh, no, Pastor. I ain't no pastor. I told him, I said, I ain't no pastor. He said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. No, I'm not. And all the money from my evangelistic organization dried up. I didn't have any money. But Word of Life was paying me, so I came over here. (laughs) I'm still here. I'm waiting on that evangelistic organization to open back up again. 
That's the truth. That's the truth. When you fly airplanes, it takes money. All of a sudden, the, the money was coming out of the word of life, and I'm going, God, you got this all wrong. You ever find, listen, there's things I'm doing today. Uh-uh. Ten years ago, I didn't think I'd be doing this. I'm going to tell you all something. Y'all, you got all your plans made? Lay them on the altar. <laughs> Don't frustrate yourself. That sweet thing you're going to marry, lay it on the altar. Oh, Jesus, is this you? You don't want to marry the wrong one and go, oh, my God. No way, dude. (laughs) Does this help? God's requiring a greater amount of accountability out of us. That's not the word you wanted to hear, but it is. The day of just floating along as a Christian comes to an end. God goes, you know what? I want a lot more out of you. The things you used to get away with, you don't get away with them anymore. But God is raising up an army of believers in this last days. And we are going to turn the world right side up. But just like he trained Jesus, he's training you. And so the next time you go through something, it might be a little tougher. Don't start crying. That's hard for charismatics to hear. But you're not ready for it. I used to lay block, concrete block. And when we first started, I'd, they had a thing called a cinder block, weighed 16 pounds. I was the Pillsbury Doughboy. Honest to God, I was the fattest little round ball y'all ever saw. I was cute, man. You could poke my belly and I'd go, hee, hee, hee. <laughs> And I became a mason tender. Them block were heavy. I had to make the mud. I only put the wheelbarrow half full of mud. I couldn't carry it. And the mud didn't get any lighter. But in about a year, Pillsbury Doughboy had gone away. The belly left. I was tan. Oh, man, was I handsome. I was starting to get buff. Man, I mean, I'm looking at merit home. Them 16-pound blocks, they traded them one day and started making us pick up 32-pound blocks. That's the heaviest block. Well, you got to be out of your mind. The block didn't get any lighter, but I got stronger. And then I remember they moved me to Sanford, and we built a shopping center out of boxcars, 72 pounds apiece. I hated those blocks. I cursed them. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I'd reach down and I'd grab that block and pick it up and butter it. I'd have to use two hands to pick it up and set it up on a wall. 400, 500, 600 a day. When I went back to 32 pounders, I went, I'd come home and Lisa's grab my arms and go, man, you a stud. I said, don't you forget it. (laughs) What did God do in me? He put me in a situation that forced me to get stronger. Now, he's got y'all in some stuff right now. 
one more time. I don't want this word. You're getting it. He's got you in some places right now. And he's not delivering you from it. He's with you in it. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to be stronger in God than you've ever been in your life. He told Paul, Paul said, Lord, deliver me. He said, no, Paul, I'm not delivering you from the problem. I'm with you in it. And Paul became a great man of God. But at no time did Paul ever stop the trouble. I have a good news for you. He ain't stopping yours either. I was hoping you'd tell me it was all going to end. It will when you die. But I'll tell you this. This time next year, there will be a lot more of Jesus inside of you showing than we're seeing right now. Can somebody say amen? Say, I thank God is doing something in me. He's making me into the image of Jesus Christ. Go God. Now, if you'll learn not to buck, process gets easier. Ask me how I know. Does this help? This is awesome, isn't it? No, he didn't leave you. He loves you as much now as he did when you got saved. But he's making you walk a lot more than he used to. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.